Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Rosillo and my guest today is Rachel Breton. She is a professional soccer player for Sky Blue FC in the NWSL. She has also done so, so much in the world of soccer. She worked, or I, I apologize, she played at my alma mater, Rutgers University, which was really fun. We got to talk about that. She's also a sports psych mentor, a personal trainer, and social media director for Metuchen Sports Center. Rachel is all over the place. She's doing so much stuff, and I'm very grateful that I got the opportunity to sit down and ask her some questions. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode with Rachel Breton. Today, special guest on the For the Love of Sports podcast, I have Rachel Breton, professional soccer player for the Sky Blue FC in the NWSL, sports psych mentor and personal trainer and social media director for Metuchen Sports Center. Rachel, thanks for hanging out with me today. Thanks, Mike. How you doing? It's a good day to be alive. It's funny. We're <laughs> like, what, like, I don't know, probably 25, 30 minutes apart, maybe. We're not allowed out of yeah. the house. So this is, uh, this is the best way we get to do it. So I think we're going to rock and roll with it. Absolutely. It's uh, taking advantage of uh, an unadvantaged time. <laughs> yeah. Technology, man. It is Technology. absolutely incredible. Uh, so, Rachel, the first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? Great question. Um, honestly, even watching last night's uh, Last Dance yeah. with Michael Jordan, I mean, it kind of shows you how much you love just athletes and the drive why i love sports so much i mean my dad played uh soccer um that's when i grew to love that sport uh both fam like both families on each side very active but i think um what i grew to love about sports is like this the story that you hear off the field um life with sport soccer for me specifically just taught me everything it taught me adversity it taught me love hate it taught me disappointment it just teaches you all the um facets um and i don't know like there's something different about an athlete you know they're willing to grind they're willing to do anything you know um they will be obedient but it kind of shows you a different level of who you can be you know uh, i really do believe in a limitless mentality um, you know, I've read, uh, relentless, um, mm-hmm. Co- Tim Grover. Yep, yep. Tim Grover. And yeah, the book was pretty decent, redundant, but very decent because it teaches you as an athlete, like again, sports, you know, you make it your own kind of world and you can connect like right now, you know, we're, we're connecting and, uh, we just met. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's, it's pretty cool. I love, you know, I love that aspect of sports that you touched upon with, you know, you, you learn and you're, you're taught a lot about what to love, how to love, who to hate, why to hate kind of thing. And I think that's very important, especially now and kind of what everyone's going through. But I think just overall, especially for kids to understand, you know, learn those emotions young and learn how those things work at a young age. So that way, when you become functioning adults or relatively functioning adults, you can become, you know, a little bit more important or do what you want to do and understand that you've been pulling upon those passions and those emotions for the last 20, 30 potential years of your life. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, you know, I have, um, I have, uh, 
parents because I coach and train now. And I have uh, parents and families saying like, well, I mean, this pandemic has to end soon because what are we going to do without sports? But it's funny to hear because, you know, it, it does mold and shape a lot of America and a mm-hmm. lot of countries, you know, and, you know, especially in Europe, that's, that's all they care about. They, all they care about is football, you know? Uh, so it, it does, it's kind of an eye opening thing to see how important it is to society. It is. So, I mean, it brings people together, right? You know, fan is short for fanatic. I say this a lot, but after religion and politics, sports is the third most fanatical or, or in my opinion, at least the most emotionally driven, you know, outside force. Uh, and I love it. You know, I'm a Mets fan, so I'm, I'm sad all the time, but that's just kind of how that works. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just one of those things where, you know, you get used to it and, and you, you go with it. But as you're we talking about before emotions and yeah, tying people together, as you talked about that community aspect, I want to see it come back. I understand why it won't maybe come back as soon as we like, but yeah. you know, when it does, it's going to be that more important. And this year, the Masters, uh, the baseball playoffs, potentially the NBA playoffs, and Alabama LSU might all be on the same weekend. So yeah, you know, let's hey. buy four or five more TVs and let's get this thing rocking and rolling. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Good stuff. So when, um, you know, as you said, you, you grew up playing sports. Um, when did you get into soccer? And I guess when did you realize like soccer could be for lack of a better term, the, the foreseeable future in your life? Um, I started when I was four. I'm 29 now. Um, nice. When's your birthday? August 4th. Oh, uh, we got a little while. Never mind. I'm going to be 30. Uh, Scary during a pandemic. Anyone. I won't tell anyone. <laughs> um, yeah, I started when I was four. And I don't think I, I mean, I, I don't know for most people, but it wasn't, it was just, my dad did it. I, I thought he was really cool and the way he played. It was awesome. He played pro for a little bit. Um, and then he did semi-pro. And I don't know. I think uh, what athletes, if they're listening, especially younger athletes, um, look up to somebody because that'll kind of drive you into that next uh, level that you might not even know you might want to get to. Uh, so for me, I wanted to uh, be like him as a player. He, you know, he was really creative um he worked hard he was fast he would try new things and he just even to this day one of the best coaches i've ever had he is the best coach i've ever had sorry but um i can't lie about that but um he just understood the game and i was just so drawn to it and i actually started out as a keeper um it was we played i played rack and then i joined my first travel team i want to say when i was seven ish and i just yeah, I just joined this Battle of Mammoth team down here um, and uh, in New Jersey, and I didn't know what position I wanted to play. I don't know. You're a kid. Yeah, I don't know. I just want to kick the ball around, and I don't know. It's just fun. Recreation, right? Um, and then uh, our keeper, quote-unquote, got hurt, and our coach uh, was like, hey, does anyone want to jump in, in net? And I was like, yeah, why not? I want to, like, why not? Let's play, whatever. And I actually saved – it was a penalty kick, and I saved it. So everyone was like, whoa, like – She's like, oh, keeper is profound, whatever. That's they would funny. call me uh, Brianna Scurry, and it was so funny. Um, and I was pretty good. I, was, I don't think I was, like, fearless now. Oh, my God, I can't do that. Power to all the keepers. <laughs> I can't throw my body like that. No shot. Um, but I got kind of bored, um, and I was like, you know, I really wanted to – 
test some stuff out. So back in the day, they had this thing called Moses Select, and the whole bunch of kids that are pretty talented go through trial process. And um, what they did was uh, they're like, yeah, like you seem talented, you know. And I was like, I don't want to play keeper. So that was the time around eleven, and I just moved to another um, travel team too. That year, I think was the pinnacle part for me because I decided that. I wanted to play forward. I wanted to, to score and do moves and be creative. And like, I just fell in love. Like I, I, and I was successful at it. And I had coaches, this is the best part about it is I had coaches that encouraged it, encouraged the creativity, encouraged mistake. And it allowed me to, you know, Rubik's cube my way through life, you know, just trying to figure out the different mm-hmm. algorithms and try to figure out, Hey, you know, I could solve this side. I could do this. And, um, then I joined ODP, um, Olympic Development Program, mm-hmm. and that then it was very tough to do in state, regional, national. That's what um, I did. I made the state team and regional team and made the national pool, and um, I didn't even know what was going on. You know, I I wasn't into the politics. I didn't even really care in a night in a nice way, not like oh I don't care about this. But I was mm-hmm. just like I just was so in love with the game. Just playing soccer, yeah. Just playing soccer, and I had a great club team. I had great coaches. Like I was just really into it. Um, and I think with that mindset, it was just each year it was like oh okay like all right, like, okay, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. I'm playing in Brazil. I'm playing in Spain. I'm playing in, you know, all these places. I'm like, this is kind of cool. I don't even know. I have to be a better, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not like an average thing and you're representing your country and your state and your region, you know? And then you also look around and a lot of players that are in the league now I played with and we, we've met later on. Um, but you see that the... The, everybody that's involved was at the same caliber so i think um we all decided as a as a team our club team that we all want to play d1 and that was our goal and i think that definitely helped us out too because we were we had a mindset we want to play in mm-hmm. college and i didn't really think much about hey let's go let's go pro let's do this stuff it was it, it was just if it was an option it was an option also granted the WPS was there when I was in high school and stuff, but you know, it wasn't televised. We would hear about it. I remember I went to a New York magic game. Like, I think I went to a sky blue game and I I don't know, but it wasn't like a huge Mm -hmm. uproar and it was up and coming. I do remember I went to the 99 world cup game. That was really cool. There we go. I still have that like little ticket. Um, But you know, you, you don't really know what's going on. And then in college, you know, you play and play and play, and then um, 2013, 2000, yeah, 2013, they said the league is coming back. I was going to go play overseas, and I said, uh, well, let me just see what happens here. And then the rest was uh, kind of history. Um, yeah. So, and I you mean, you made it. You made it I'm, so far. You're hanging out with me on it. a Monday at 12 o'clock in the <laughs> afternoon, man. Like, could your life get any better at this point? So I, I, made I, it. I have one question about the the soccer team or the, the, the club team you were on with, you know, all of you having that mindset of let's play division one. How much easier did it make it to work harder? How much oh. easier did it make it when all of you are like, no, we have to go an extra rep because we're all going to play division one. Like what was that like hive mentality, the hive mind mentality like, and how much more intense did it get once all of that was kind of, I guess, said out loud? Well, it, you know, um, attitude reflects leadership. That's what I say. And our leadership 
was about that. Like, hey, it's not like a, it wasn't like a, if you don't or like a threatening thing. It was just like, hey, this is your goal. And, and as you said, like it was so much easier, so much easier because you were the odd one out if you were missing practice, mm-hmm. if you you know, weren't showing up. And that's kind of any, with any organization, regardless of sports, like you have to be like-minded. You have to have the same goal because then you can work together and, and build and have a, a you know, uh, actual teamwork. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't hard, you know, like we were like, we're training for the showcase tournament. We're, we're training for this. We're going to go to WAGS. We're going to go to, you know, uh, uh, surf, um, surf cup, like all these important um, showcase tournaments. Uh, and it was hard to get into. So you knew that you had to work for it. You know, another growth mindset mentality, uh, a lot of things that I think are um, not as strict as it is, as it was now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't have that much exposure. We didn't have that many opportunities. Like you had to make this, this tournament and try to be in the top flights and reach out to these college coaches actually like send emails send questionnaires talk to them text them call them have them call you like you had to be your own like quasi agent and mm-hmm. you don't even know what's going on you know like i didn't know what the hell i was doing and it, it's funny i still have my college um recruiting letters and i'm like reading and i'm like man this is so wild because like this is power to college coaches they have to rely on these like 14 year olds mm-hmm. hoping that they know what they want I don't know what I want. You know, I didn't know what I was looking for in college and what it was important. I just really love the game. But I think what was great was that we all were like-minded again, that I didn't have to stress or worry or could like compete about anything. It's just like you had to do your job. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and not I, like you were doing it on your own, right? That must, that accountability, but also knowing that all of your friends around you are going through this as well, probably made it a heck of a lot easier too. Well, that, and that we, we loved each other. So we wanted to fight for each other. So if, if like Amy made an awesome tackle in the, as a, as a left back and like stopped, like that we could have lost the game or something. I, as a forward was like, I got to reward her with that. I got to work just as hard. I got to score. I got to, I got to, I got to take better care of the ball, whatever. We hold each other accountable. We lose the ball in the middle of the field and we're yelling at each other. It's not because, uh, we hate them or anything. It's just like let's hold ourselves to the standard that we mm-hmm. trained so hard for. Because again, like no matter what, this is the goal. This is the goal. This is the goal. You know, um, and I think you see that everywhere. Like even the you know NC Courage, they are all like minded. Like Paul uh, Riley gets the same amount of people, the same minded people, and that's why they keep winning championships in the NWSL. That's why in Miracle USA beat the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's why USA keeps winning games because at the end of the day you could like each other you could whatever you could get off get along on and off the field when it comes to fighting together and having the same goal that makes everything easier because it kind of deflate deflates your ego or anything else uh, and i think at an adolescent level that's easier as you get older mm-hmm. especially in the professional world there's a lot of things that come into play yeah but that being said, I think it was just uh, – it was a great experience, and I actually think I'm spoiled to experience that at such an early age mm-hmm. because once you get to college, it's not necessarily the same. And once you go play pro, it's not necessarily the same, especially if you play in different countries. Like I played in Norway, way different than – like the top Syrian is way different than the NWSL. Um, playing the Big Ten is different than the SEC. Like there's just a lot of things that you think you know and then you – 
see yeah. yourself amongst the other alphas and you're like, oh, <laughs> I don't <Yeah>. know. A hundred percent. A couple points to that. One, uh, I'm 28 right now. Still not a hundred percent sure what I know. So relying on 14 year olds, you know, shout out to those college coaches for what they do there. Um, with, with that being said, I know, you know, with kind of traveling and, and checking out all these different places and what you're doing, I think it's very important to be able to go and see things like that. And now I'm kind of curious. I saw you went to Villa No Fun um, for a couple of years as well. And you ended up at my alma mater, our alma mater, Rutgers University. Yes. What, um, I guess, what was, what was the reasoning for the change? Go as deep or as shallow into that as you'd like. But I'm just kind of curious, like, what, what led you, you know, back? Come, yeah. What, what brought you back home, Rachel? What brought you back home? <laughs> to the Garden State? Honestly, um, uh, I always say things straight, no chaser. So uh, I think what happened, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do anything differently because I am happy with, with mm-hmm. where I, where I am with, and I think again, with the life experiences, the people that I've met, everyone at Villanova, we still keep in touch and I've been to all their weddings. Um, They're, they will have a, a very close bond with me. Same thing at Rutgers. Um, overall though, I think, and something that I'm passionate about is guiding athletes into knowing what they want and figuring themselves out and not even athletes, just people in general, finding out yourself and what your vocation is, because I think I thought I knew and I, and I just like was not informed. Like my parents both went to college. Um, uh, but that was like 20 years before. And now it's a different experience, Go, like, and especially now, like everything was kind of up and coming. Like now you see there's so much exposure. Everything's an acronym and, you know, everything's a mess. But back then it was just like there was one PDA. There was one Vanellope team. There was just one thing. There was no ADP showcase tournaments, ECNL and stuff. It was this league, like this thing. If you were good, you were good. Like there's no question. Nothing was really mm-hmm. as watered down. Um so everything was pretty regimented and structured that I didn't think I needed to really do even more research. Like I thought if you, you know, if you look at a school and you see that they have your quote unquote masters or, you know, like mm-hmm. your, 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 ma- yeah, ma- yeah. your majors that, you know, you were set, you know, and it's the trite things like make sure you love the school. Like what if you get injured, make sure this, and this, and this, but like, yeah, you think like that, but you really don't, especially when you're younger. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, done. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know. Like, I would go to visit all these other colleges, look at what to Duke, and I'm like, oh, that's that's this is pretty. Like, this is the field. I went, we went to Georgetown. Oh, cool. Like, this is this is nice. This is the weight room. I don't know. I didn't know that I was going to be at the weight room every day, and mm-hmm. that that it mattered so much about your athletic directors and that um your financial your not financial academic advisors mm-hmm. uh community things off campus location of campus i i didn't take any of these things into account only thing that i really cared about was that it was in a reputable school um academically and soccer wise at that time uh villanova was ranked top 10 of the nation so th- that was a no-brainer mm-hmm. yep. and they had ann clifton who was a phenomenal coach, but she just resigned, um, which was another thing because I committed for that. Mm-hmm. So that's another pointer. Don't just commit for your coach and your recruiting experience. But, um, you know, I was like, okay, cool. And the biggest thing for me that I think I pigeonholed myself, but I don't regret is that I wanted to be 
closer to home, not because, you know, I needed the security blanket, but because, you know, my parents dedicated a lot of their time and money and life for me to play in college. Mm -hmm. And I want them to experience that with me. I wanted them to come to games. And I know that if I went to uh, Stanford or um, Duke Duke or Mm -hmm. NC State or whatever down south up north whatever if fsu that they would try to go to those games and fly and like i wouldn't really see them that much and i just Mm -hmm. i don't know for me kind of i don't know if it's the right way to feel or not but i felt that was a selfish move you know and i looked at a lot of ivy league schools too because i was like great let me use this time to get into an ivy league school because they look at athletes differently you get Mm -hmm. like a different kind of thing even though i did really well in my sats but i was like perfect lo and behold i learned though that they don't cover for scholarships so that's a waste for Mm -hmm. like you know so i said you know what i'm gonna go to a place that i can get a full ride um and that's quasi close in the tri-state area that they could go after work or whatever and i could we could do this experience together um and i just think long story short is that i kind of did it wrong so i picked villanova um not a bad school smaller small uh not as versatile as i would want it to be like just with like attitude not even like Mm -hmm. not even like uh backgrounds or anything it was just like it was too prestigious for me for no reason um and again we had a coaching change and it was really interesting experience uh for us and you could read between the lines for that but none of those players enjoy playing anymore um so that you can take into consideration, but that I, you know, I was like, you know what, I, I didn't really know what the move was. I just know I had to leave. Uh, I had to transfer, which like you don't really do. It's kind of unheard of mm-hmm. back in the day too. So I was yeah, like, oh, now no. it's pretty. Now, yeah. yeah. But I, I was like, oh my god. I remember I wrote my my teammates letters, and I was like, I'm so sorry. But I gave it like I gave it, I give things second chances, maybe even mm-hmm. fifteen chances. But I said, if I don't make this jump. I'm not going to enjoy anything mm-hmm. of, of my college experience. So then I, you know, I didn't really have a game plan. I just left. And um, it was in during the day before preseason. And then um, I ran into Glenn Crooks, who was at Rutgers. And he was like, oh, how's Villanova doing? I'm like, I don't know. I left. And he's like, oh, where do you go? And I'm like, oh, I'm trying to get into Rutgers. Because I didn't even think about – I was like, you know what? I don't have to play in college. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll still try to go play pro or play overseas or something. Like, it's okay. And that's how, like, da- like down I was because it was a lot. You know, it was, it was mm-hmm. tolling and taxing. And he said, uh, okay, come into my office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, you know what I do, yeah, right? because <laughs> he recruited me, and he was like, I've always wanted you. So – Two weeks later, a week later, they're like, yep, you're on. And uh, it was great because I, you know, I give Rutgers a lot of credit and they've done so, they've done great in their program and power to Michael Neal that's holding it down and Meg Ryan over there um, and Trish that's now there too. Um, They have really taught me a lot of good things um, fitness wise, accountability wise. You know, I think Michael Neal is an excellent trainer, um, excellent coach. And I think, uh, I'm happy for that transition. I wish that I went either earlier or um, I don't know. I you're here now. I don't know. I'm I here think that's now. The most you know, important part, right? Like that's right? always the thing. Like I never 
never wish I could redo something. Um, yeah. Maybe add something on or, or learn something, you know, a little bit quicker. But I mean, as long as you get the information and you utilize it like you had, like, like you did, I think that's the most important part because you clearly, you know, I, the butterfly effect, we can get into all that stuff. Right, 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 right. right, right. right now, you know, so I think that's no, the important it's true. part. It um, is true. And, and, you know, and getting, getting to Rutgers too, I think that's the most important part. Yeah, and and Rutgers like no one really knows, but it should be an Ivy League school. It's very reputable. Yep, absolutely. Um, I found the further west you go, the more impressive it becomes. You go to Rutgers. Yes. So like yes. when I'm in New York or in New Jersey or Philly, they're all like big deal. Then yes. I go out to California, and they're like, "You went to Rutgers?" I was like, "Yes, yeah, that's that. so it's crazy." Funny, you're so right because I wore a Rutgers shirt, and um, we were at the airport in uh, San Francisco, and they were like, "Did you go to Rutgers?" I was like, "Yeah." They were like, "Wow." And I'm like, thank you, because we get so it. much crap here. That's funny. But um, that is so true, though. But yeah, no, you're right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Again, I, as I said in the beginning, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Um, I would do it over again. I think I just wish I. I um, I wish I just I. I knew better. I thought I did my research, but I think I was overwhelmed. I got contacted by a lot of college coaches. I didn't really know what to experience or what I should be looking forward to. I'm an only child. Um everyone else was going through their own experience we had mm-hmm. no um litmus you know it was kind of like let's it's like trial and error and you know um i don't know i don't know if it i i don't know i just i i look at everything as a as an experience to grow and i mm-hmm. i'm a really positive person so i look at these things and i say i i love it like give it to mm-hmm. me like, even if it was adversity like it's tough transferring it's tough now like redshirting a year it's tough not taking your redshirt year it's tough like you don't know what the right things are and you don't know who's holding you accountable for what you don't mm-hmm. know what's being said or being done and and it did i will say it did it did hurt my collegiate career I think so because you're starting over, you're kind of like mm-hmm. you're you're jumping around, you're getting used and acclimated. My first year at Rutgers was essentially my senior year. Like mm-hmm. it's just it's a lot. But it did give me the opportunity to speak about it and to advise others and to help people. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I, I could have gotten out earlier at, at Villanova, but again I'm a second chancer and I, I learned a lot at Villanova um there were some really good classes really good professors some really good times um and you know it it, it is what it is <laughs> i yep, hate that people, line but it's no true. <laughs> no it's it's very true i mean people can learn as you said as long as people can learn from your experiences and what you went through um and you, i think you did a very great job at clearly articulating it without having to say everything i think that's the most important part you know people can learn from it People can understand what you did and maybe they're not going to be able to draw every single parallel to what they're trying to go through now. But if they can draw one or two and be able to learn from what you did as well as what others did, I think that's the most important part. And that's, I guess, the reason why, um, you know, that's why you went through that. So, you know, all the others after you don't maybe don't have to or can at least learn from it and learn, uh, you know, how to do it better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, both schools were are fantastic. If I were to do it, if I were to, ch- if I could if it was like, hey, same same things end up, you just get to choose something differently. I would have went with my dream school, which was Princeton. I just like again, I didn't want to, mm. I didn't want to pay for that, you know. Yeah, I get that. Um, I get but, that. I live I live about twenty minutes from Princeton, and I'm on the campus occasionally. Man, it there's is something about that campus, area. man. Every time I like Julie Shackford was, um, Julie Shackford was the coach there. Now she's at William Mary, but I loved her and. Um, 
everyone that was there you know it was a great environment um i think we had the uh uh i took for the unofficial they would take you to classes and stuff and i sat in the psych one and i was like man like i just like the way they learn and stuff but you know my mom had a good point it's tough to go from a princeton if you want to get your master's or doctor or phd because i wanted to do sports psychology you know it's a tough jump so mm -hmm. it, it looks better you know if you grow from but also now in times you could do things online everything's so yeah. different and it's it's i don't know i think there's no map anymore exactly but, yeah but it, you know i think that would have been if i could do something at princeton at some capacity i think i would feel good <laughs> but again both reputable schools um i learned a lot and i'm really not I'm not upset about it you know we're here <laughs> your, your doctor it's right around the corner so i'm excited for yeah you on just that front. <laughs> hey princeton just let me know <laughs> let me let me figure i live i'm right down the road practically um, yeah yeah just, that is just awesome and, and so you you talked about how potentially you know you were just going to forego the rest of uh you know your your college career and then just go straight into playing professionally i know you played professionally in norway as you said before was that your first professional stop is going over to norway or did you play here or somewhere no. else first I played here 2013 and then to the and 2013 2014 2015 on loan to go play in Norway just for a little bit um and then came back finished the season here and then ended it with Sky Blues 2017 I think or 2018 I think it's 2017 I can't remember but um yeah it's all it's 2020 it's 2020 my gosh apparently yeah i don't know april's the almost over it's almost heck May. Is going on like, isn't that ridiculous <laughs> yeah but, that's crazy but um but yeah no that was my it was my job it would start here then go over there and again like that's another that's another map that you don't really know it's a leap of faith too you know some players i have a couple of uh friends that wanted to go overseas first and get that experience mm -hmm. down and then ironically they did well and then they come into the league here um and they go oscillate back and forth or you know they're a national team player and they're playing here and then they want to go play over like you know quote unquote overseas or europe and you know everyone's just trying to figure it out and find their niche and i think that's the common theme about all this is just like what's your niche like what mm -hmm. do you you know for me to stay at sky blue made the most sense um again the thing something that i wish i i did do was transition take other offers try try maybe another team in the nwsl but i've always had um in my whole life i've always thought of like a bigger picture kind of thing mm -hmm. and not saying that people don't but i definitely know that i'm very um aware of it cognizant because i know that each time we're playing we are depreciating we will stop playing this is a this is a train and it will stop and it just doesn't you could be going so fast and it'll stop quicker or you could be going slow but it's going to stop and when like a lot of players were retiring at 26 27 now 30 30 yeah like around 30 um 34 sometimes you know like but people are pushing it but you know what i'm seeing and what i fear and what i feared is that i don't want to just put all my eggs in the soccer basket regardless of how good or not good or whatever, um, and regardless of how much you get paid or not get paid, because that isn't, it's the end, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and so what are you going to do with the rest of your 70 years? Let's say you live to be 100. What are you going to do with the three-fourths of your life? Mm -hmm. um, so I was doing a lot of stuff. I was um, 
doing the media and marketing. I was learning how to, I don't know, I've always loved filmography and cinematography, so I bought a GoPro, and I was like, yeah, let's make this experience, and we didn't get a lot of exposure back then, so I was like, let me record some stuff, let me let me play some stuff, my mom got me a Canon Rebel, I was like, oh, okay, like, learning things, shutter modes, like, just playing things, figuring things out, because I know that I kind of have an eye, but I didn't really know, like, mm-hmm, what, mm-hmm. but you just learn stuff, and um, I like to, again, I'm not, like, a limited person, I like to see what else can I do, what else, let me do this, and let me add this. And it's funny because I think people, um, they like they look at my resume. They're like, okay, so. <laughs> what are we looking at here? What, 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 who are what, you? What do you Yeah, <laughs> like Walter Mitty, what, are you, what is this? Um, but it was, it's been good because now in this transition mode, I've set myself up in different platforms that I can go in different avenues. Now I'm just kind of caught in the limbo state of what is going to fill my vocational mm-hmm. need. And can I make that vocational courage? You know, that's just, I think everyone goes to that, no matter what and how many times, you know, you can be a writer your whole life and be like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to mm-hmm. do, I want to do crafting, you know, and it's a jump. So for me, like I would play soccer for the rest of my life. I would, I would dedicate so much to it and I love it. And I think every day I'm like, oh, I'm going to go back. But at the end of the day, it's like, do you, can we as athletes determine the difference between loving it and knowing that you're never going to stop loving it, no matter how old or young or whatever, or where you are? Versus did you hit your ceiling and that does the world want more of you in different aspects? Mm-hmm. And I think like, yeah, as I said, like I'm, I'm about education. I'm about other things. There's so many things that I definitely want to do. And there's so many people that I definitely want to reach because I'm a firm believer that, you know, we could be uh, weapons or not. And mm-hmm. I could be something that people could use to the benefit, either with a conversation like we're having right now or just growing and and informing and just being in a community so um yeah i uh i wish that i jumped around a little bit but i also i'm not upset about it because i've kind of set myself up Mm -hmm. into into different elements and uh, you know again home family is really important to me you know we we have to decide what's important and we have to stick with it you know 100 percent hundred percent. And I think that that's, I mean, that's, you know, thank you for that. Thank you for hanging out with me. Thank you for giving all this information. I really do appreciate it. It's always interesting, you know, when talking to professional athletes, you know, kind of how they think. And that is always one of the questions I have. Um, as you, I love, I love your analogy. The train's going to stop whether you <laughs> want it to or not, whether how fast you're going or not, it will stop at whatever point. We don't know what that point is. So what do you do to set yourself up? And you've done, I think, a great job at you know, as you said, you want to jump around a little bit, but that sounds like more in the, in the soccer world, outside of the soccer world, it seems like you've done a lot of stuff. I mean, yeah. sports psychology, <laughs> training, coaching, and film yeah. videography, like clearly you're doing a lot of different stuff out there while taking advantage of that platform. So I guess we'll start with the, the start. I mean, we're like 45 minutes into this conversation. I guess we'll <laughs> I guess then we'll transition. Start. Hey guys, that's our intro. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So welcome to the, for the love of sports podcast. My name is Michael Brazil. I have Rachel Breton here. Um, so with, with that, with, with getting, you know, out of soccer, how, how did you know it was the end? And well, no, let's not, I don't want to start there. I want to start at the beginning when, when you were in it, you know, there's that first World Cup in 2015, mm-hmm. I think, you know, what, yeah. like, what were those four or five years, however long it was at Sky Blue? How, how much did you see a transition in, in women's soccer in the, the validation and the, um, the, the insight and, and people seeing the sport and starting to love it, especially with that World Cup, I guess, kind of right smack dab in the middle of your career? Yeah. 
Um, actually, 2015 was one of my best years. Um, oh yeah, playing wise and like just experiencing wise and stuff. Uh, we had our own. We were at the uh, ticket ticket party, a ticket maker, right? Is that what it's called? I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> I don't know what we're talking about in New York City when they when they come back and they ticket parade the, ticket parade, right? Gosh, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Okay, ticker tape or something like that. Yeah, ticker, ticker tape, tape parade. Taper. There we That's go. Ticker tape. Okay, oh, okay, okay. Two okay. grinds, man. Two Gosh, grinds. Gosh, and I've been us. there twice, and I like <laughs> God. Um, and I was asked to do interviews over there and on the podium, and I was asked this year too, or I guess last yeah. year. Um, and that was a really cool experience. Uh to also see the four years of growth and you know everything that's been going on like women's getting a lot of exposure it's kind of an ironic time to stop playing but also i find it a good time because i think what's happening now is that players are so concerned about so much exposure and comparison that they're kind of losing sight of why they're playing um and that's just me you know i could be i could be wrong but i hear all the stress and i think and I see the politics and I see certain things. And that's just not like, it's not anything specific. It's just in a sport, you know? And when it's on this avenue of growth, there's a lot of things that come with it. Um, a lot of demands, you know, a lot of things that you wish were better or not. And, you know, it's a tough environment. It really is. Um, I think that when I was playing, I think as the years progressed, and not into specifics, just as myself, I think, again, like I've, I said that I had this thing in the back of my head. Um, we weren't playing for much. And you just kind of, if you're going to practice and you don't feel like you're, you're getting better as a person, that's something to consider. And I don't know if a lot of players consider that. I don't know. But for me, you know, I am, I was, I, I'm a Christian athlete. Nothing like, you know, nothing crazy. I think people veer away from like, whoa, she said the religion word. Like, no, 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 no. Like, I, it's just, I, I am spiritually bound, <laughs> whatever you want to say it. Um, and I think I was, I think I was veering away from myself as like, I was thinking about myself a lot. And it was all, it was me. It was like, why am I not starting? Why am I not getting the right amount of reps? Uh, why did, to the point where it was like, why am I on the yellow team and so-and-so is on the green team? The green team has so-and-so. And it's like, who the, what the hell? Like, it's not even me. Like, I don't even care. This is a person that had no idea what ODP and national team was and is mm -hmm. jumping around. Now I'm like looking up like every new nuance. <laughs> and mm -hmm. it's, and if that's taking away from, you're, and that's part mental too, which is which is why I got into it too, because again, if you, you determine who you who you want to be, and it's not, yeah, there are circumstances, there's hardships all around you as a player and as a person. What do you do with that message? But there are also signs, and to me, I think there were some signs where I was like, if I continue, at least at this capacity. I'm going to end up not enjoying this sport and I'm also not, I'm also going to not get better as a person and as a, mm. and as a player. So I just said, I'm going to take a sabbatical and it's been now two years and it's a pretty long sabbatical. So I kind of leave it open. I don't say retired, but I do say retired, mm -hmm. but I just, um, I think when you start to feel things and you start to realize that this isn't all that matters, 
and you know who said what at practice and what so and so did at the game or whatever they don't ever get said or whatever when all that stuff starts to come into your head and it starts to own you you have to start to think like is this this isn't the sport it shouldn't be mm-hmm. at least so i think that's what was kind of going in my head and and you know i've always been told that we're the guinea pigs of um of soccer which i think also irritated me but i also like believe that because it's true like we're still growing you know we're not like the 99s but like we are still like still trying to move this into a right direction and it may take a very long time so i think to compare about how things were how things can be and how things should be and where it will be i think that's just a irrelevant conversation and i think what you got to do is for as long as you love the sport enjoy the sport Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of self-awareness too. And I think, as you said, you know, in the beginning, it was just like, what's ODP? Wow, this is great. I love soccer. And now, you know, you're talking about wearing a different color penny at practice because somebody else is wearing the opposite. And and I think, again, you know, that that will happen. I mean, that was, it was your life for however long. Like that's, oh, yeah. you were stuck in that, not stuck in, but you were, you were kind of on that, you know, revolving door where you just kind of keep doing the same thing. You just keep getting better and doing other things around it. But I think it's, you know, great that you had the self-awareness to be like, wait a second. Yes. This, this isn't, this doesn't make any sense at all. Well, what you shouldn't I, be getting anxiety. You get to, you're getting paid to play a sport that you love. Awesome. You're getting How incredible. Amazing. And yeah, there comes stresses with it. Like, again, we watching, we're watching Last Dance. We're watching what Michael Jordan had to go through. Scottie Pippen, you know, like all those things that we're learning. Yeah, like there's a whole bunch of Scotty Pippins in the world, mm-hmm. right? And I uh, maybe I was one of them. I don't again not comparing myself to Scotty Pippin. <laughs> Sounds like you just compared yourself no, to Scotty Pippin. I do no. want to say Rachel Breton <laughs> equals Scotty Pippin. That's what that, I would say. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> um, they're they're their own Scotty Pippins, right? So I think that um, a self awareness is key. And again, like like Messi said in a in an interview um, a while ago, that they they asked him, and I I bring this up a couple times because I think it's so cool. Um, they asked him like, what is it what is it like to be uh, the best player in the world? And he started laughing, and he was like, I'm not the best player in the world. Like like I, I'm flattered that you think that, you know. Um, and he said, for me, like I love this game. It's so much fun. And he goes, and when it stops being fun that's when I'll stop playing. And you could tell he's having so much fun. He's having so much fun. Mm -hmm. And I was not. And I like think about that. And I was like, it's fun to play soccer. It's fun to play with professionals. It's fun. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful game. And like, I get, I get lost. Like when we play a pickup and all that stuff, like it, like it's amazing. And I'll never forget that, but it's not, there was some, there was, the the cons were outweighing the pros mm-hmm. in in a lot of um practices and games and stuff you know it wasn't like yeah i can't wait it was more like oh my gosh like mm-hmm. here we go again and that's not good you know and, and especially after for... doing it for that long you know like exactly. that you still had the self-awareness to realize that like i've loved this game for so long since you were this four 20, years old yeah right? 25 years like it's okay it's all right, <laughs> like, you know. And what helped too was that during this period, I was writing for Excel Sports, which is no longer, um, but it was a women's um, magazine online um, organization that mm-hmm. which promote a lot of women's athletes. And I had my own column about life after sport, 
and I wrote about myself. I wrote about a couple players, but like different, like a plethora of different people. People that just were happy and just retired. People that like all of a sudden got into a car accident and and couldn't play anymore. People that have reached, you know, like played with uh, the national team and then just said, well, at 34, I've I I don't think I'll love anything other than that. So now what? You know, like there's a whole bunch of things that mm-hmm. I feel like also athletes are afraid to talk about or just don't talk about, but we should talk more about it because it is that fear and it is that awareness to discover like, hey, like, is it okay to stop playing? Is it all right that it, that it could, that it might have been one year or two or 10 or does it, does it label, like, I think we're so obsessed with certain labels that we think that that's who we are, mm-hmm. but it's not what you do that makes you who you are. It's who you are you know? Yep. That, that messes with a lot of people too, but um, no, I, I totally agree. And, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that you got this opportunity to play in an in incredible league. And like every year that goes by, you hear more and more about the NWSL. And um, I'll, I'll be honest, haven't watched too, too many games. I don't even really like soccer that much. Sorry. <laughs> that's totally I'll watch the fine. world cup and that's pretty much it. Um, you know, both men's and women's world cup, uh, they're both awesome. I'll watch whatever, but <laughs> yeah, I, I pay attention on like the sports business side and just some of the really interesting oh, cool. things like with Budweiser and what they're doing and and how they were promoting around the game um you know the nwsl specifically after the world cup this past one at least i really really love that and kind of how they were looking at it and um you know some of the data that came out around towns or, or cities that had nwsl teams in them and how many more people would go and buy bud light and budweiser at bars is incredible um and that is attuned to advertising and what right. you can do in, in a sport and you know with heavy emotions tied in you know, I think that's, that's always very important. So I always just think it's very cool with what, um, what they were able to do. And, you know, kudos again, you got played to pay soccer. Like seriously, that's gotta be the coolest thing in the world. No, it is. It is cool. You know, I will agree. And I think that it's a, it's a weird accomplishment and it's a weird thing to even talk about because you're like, huh, I'm amongst. That was interesting. These ones. Um, and I even said that yesterday to my, my dad, we were watching the, uh, last dance. I was like, man, like, like Jordan getting out of his car and mm-hmm. shooting hoops like he's at work. What a cool yep. thing. What right. a cool thing. You know, like it's a cool thing. Hey, I'm at work. I'm going to practice. Like that was Not that bad. was cool. That was, you know, and that's again, it's another, like, as I said earlier, sp- spoiled because like that is such a anomaly kind mm-hmm. of experience, you know, that you're like, oh, yeah, like I just got to stay physically fit and what you do work your butt off but mm-hmm. like and it, it does take a certain expertise and mastery um but it's just different which i do think a lot of athletes will and do struggle with because mm-hmm. it's very different it's yeah. different from when my like my friends never understood they were like uh, i was a guy at my practice or like that or they would practice would be two hours and then we would, might have film or lift so their nine to five is my three hour or whatever, even though it's taxing and it feels like that. Mm-hmm. And then we could have two days or whatever, but I'm not driving into the city. I'm not waking up at mm-hmm. 6am. I'm not, you know, going to the gym at 5am to make a, a, tr- a transit or yep. yeah, any yeah. stuff, you know, for work. So it's like, it kind of separates you from your quote unquote normal friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
but it's, it's still it i mean hey uh kudos to you for getting that opportunity and i think right there you just compared yourself to michael jordan so you are michael <laughs> jordan and scotty pippen all wrapped in the one so i love it um just a couple more minutes here rachel again you know i think i think you have a really cool career and we touched upon it a little bit with uh you know getting into you know getting that gopro and, and starting to get into filmography videography a little bit what um you know and in sports media i guess you know as you said with writing like where like at what point along in your career, you kind of spoke about it a little bit, but at what point were you like, okay, like I love what I'm doing. I can't put all my eggs in the basket, this basket. You know, what, what was that, I guess, was there a specific moment where you're like, yeah, let me actually start to diversify for lack of a better term, who I am and what I do a little bit so that you start yeah. writing and you start getting into film and all that stuff. Well, I was a psych and English major and I, uh, with always in the back of my head, like, you know, what would be your next move and stuff. I was always interested in certain things. Um, ironically, being a psych and English major and having to read a lot, I did not like to read until I was out of school. And now I have, like, freaking floating, uh, I was going to say, yeah, floating. Books. I don't know how I got, that happens. Yeah, see that? Cool. It's part of it. I have books everywhere. I'm always reading. I'm always posting about reading. I'm always, like, interested into you know, the mindset and, you know, mental health and growth in people because I do find that that is a common theme that anyone at any level athlete or non that they could benefit from because we're all just trying again I always say walk each other home we're just trying to figure things out um and if you don't have your mind right you can't really accomplish accomplish Mm -hmm. anything you know uh it's like what your sign says it only takes one yes uh for success which is cool because it's true, but you have to sharpen your brain, your mind, your, your attitude, your, your goals driven, uh, the opportunities to say, okay, that was a failure, but it's not, you know, the only failure is that if I stop, you know, things like that. Um, so with that being said, you know, I just was like speculating a little bit. I've always wanted to do uh, sports psychology, but then I also, um, didn't want to do my master's while playing because I didn't want to repeat. Like, I don't, I don't think people tell you that you're an athlete student, not a student athlete. Mm. When you you go to interesting, would you look at that? Yeah. Huh? Crazy. So so I was a biochem major to start and I was like, no way am I going to do biochemistry and play D1 soccer because I wanted to, other things were important, like going out with my teammates and, you know, I'm a social butterfly and like I, I, and I had to block the weirdest times for lab. And I was like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't going to be this mm-hmm. isn't for me. Um, so you have to make that transition. And um, uh, when I was, I think it was like 2013, 2014, I, no, 2012, 2013, I met this guy, Mike Olam, who um, was the strength conditioning uh, coach at Rutgers this past year and um, he you know came up to me and he was like hey I really like um, uh, I really like the way you play I actually coach this I, I trained this other girl uh, Kristen Edmonds who played at Rutgers and um, she's gonna go play overseas like I, I trained pros and I'm like and he, he's like you know Mike Seaman Mike Seaman went to Villanova I was like oh okay like interesting and I was skeptical because I'm like who is this guy we're playing like in the middle of a touch and pick up like I'm like no um, and he's like, no, just come to a session. And I thought I was in shape and he picked me up and he was like, no, come to a session. Killed me, killed me. I was not in shape. Oh my God. But it was like, I couldn't even drive. I was like, I need, I'm going to have to, I don't know how I'm going to be home. And I kept coming back and we got, you know, we got connected and 
the company called APTT, which a lot of clubs are using now, and we've really grown a lot. We've, we train a lot of NWSL, MLS, USL, uh, Olympians, like a lot of players, um, soccer-specific training. And um, it was so good that I would, I would train there a lot, and I, I ended up working there as a trainer and trainer coach and um he like and he'll like he doesn't mind that i say this he he's not about social media and he was not and i I also like i do find its benefit but i do think like we are in a very damaging (laughs) time for it that Mm -hmm. it's too much social comparison it's too much depression anxiety for people Mm -hmm. and that some people aren't using it for the right things so it you know you got to balance it uh, but I do find it as growth for companies, and as I'm sure you're seeing as a marketer, you know, you could totally use it. It's your new business card. That's just the way. We're not going backwards. So that's, you got to adjust. So um, he would have this Instagram, and it was just so bad. It was, like, blurry. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't even in the frame. It was, like, I'm over here. Or like, I'm, like, oh, my God. I'm, like, Mike. And I was, like, you have. Like, if you really want to build this and push it, like, people should know. I bet he's like, I don't really care, you know, whatever. I'm like, no, like, if you really want to build this, like, if you really care, because, like, you could get all these really good athletes and stuff. I'm like, here, I, like, let me, um, let me, like, I just bought mm-hmm. a GoPro, and I was like, oh, let nice. me, yeah, I was like, let me, um, it was the Hero 3, I think, Hero 3 Plus, and I was like, let me just take it, let me just take charge of the account. I, I can guarantee that I can get this amount of followers, or, or at least do this kind of quality about something else. And that's when, like, the Instagram videos were only 15 seconds, mm-hmm. and, and it was, like, whatever. So I just, like, played a lot around with it. And, like, from the from the beginning, we were just growing and growing and growing. And I, from the time, I think they only had 300 or 600 followers, and then I grew it within a year for 3,000. And it was just, like, finding new angles. Fi- like, just, like, it was kind of, like, a, a goal for me to be, like, okay, I want to grow this company. I want to help. And in the meantime, I can kind of also grow myself and see if I'm pretty good at, you know, editing and all that stuff. And um, I don't know, that was a lot for me. And I think it's a way of expressing yourself too, um, to cutting videos, filming videos, um, displaying. Ah, yep, there it is. Nice. Yep. 12 points UK, not messing around. Yeah. You got one more. At least. <laughs> um, so it, it's a... Uh, it, it it was a good it was a good mm-hmm. way of just of me exploring like do I like this do I like doing the analytics of social media and finding out not really but I do love the aesthetics of a good picture telling good story um, cutting and editing films like there's like some Gatorade commercials that are freaking fantastic mm-hmm. Nike commercials like uh, Gillette like uh, Gillette like they like when they get the athletes involved like telling a story is so cool and that's something that I've always genuinely liked um and i kind of used you know like small businesses to to help create mm-hmm. that you know so i think that was uh that was it for me and i think i continue to grow with it i don't know i don't know how far it will go or not but it's something that i am willing to explore and, and am still exploring mm-hmm. to this day so it's not a i don't i don't mind it you know people do come for me for like 
advice and stuff. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I, I, I do maybe. I don't know. Yeah. You, you don't, don't sell yourself short. You clearly are doing a pretty darn good job. <laughs> you clearly grew that following significantly. Um, just a couple of places you've been and, and I apologize. I don't think we're going to be able to get to go over all of them, but the Red Bulls, you worked uh, for the Players Tribune. And if I'm not mistaken, the MLS as well. Yes, I did uh, social media marketing. Not social yeah. media marketing, sorry. Freelance videography. Yeah, but- so clearly you, <laughs> you know how to tell that story. You know how to get those the, 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 the right shots and how to do it. I mean, you're working for some huge, huge brands, especially, you know, with, I mean, the Red, again, the Red Bulls, MLS, and the Players' Tribune. I don't think, yeah. you know, you're going to get too much bigger in, in, you know, the world of soccer, especially up here in the Northeast. Players' Tribune in the world of sports, you know, athlete media specifically, I think is fantastic. And being able to do all of that is just so darn cool. And um, your other life that you live outside of that is with Psych. You've been bringing up Psych a little bit. I know you, yeah. um, you know, I have written down here, uh, Sports Psych Mentor. Yeah. What exactly is that? And how, who, who and how are you helping them? Um, so it's called Pro, uh, pro Performance um, Gurus. And... Ironically, I met this guy, James Riley, who played in the MLS. Um, you meet a lot of people, huh? <laughs> yeah. They all work there. They're all in soccer in some capacity. Isn't weird, that weird, right? Would you look at that? Would you look at that networking? Um, and he had this awesome mindset, like excellent, excellent dude. Played for the Sounders. Um, and he's back in Seattle now. But he helped us with APTT. And um, I wanted to pick his brain because – uh, he worked for MLS as a, a a player recruiter, I think. I'm pretty sure. I don't know the the correct title, but mm-hmm. he would help with uh, players and transitions and stuff and um, all that jazz. So he also was a co-founder with this company called Sports, uh, not Sports, uh, Pro Performance Gurus, and a couple of USL um, current now former pros uh, were involved and it's a really cool platform where they get um, professional athletes in the NWSL, USL, MLS and it's online and they have a system. It's like on Lesson Lee and it's like Lesson 1, Lesson 2. You can do different phases and the cool thing is that you can, people can sign up with you as your mentor and do it as a team. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole team will sign up or the person will sign up and the thing is is that they get to have me as their mentor. We, If it's in person, I can meet you in person, 20 minutes, but I go over like whatever, we'll go over certain things and then um, and uh if not we do it via facetime so um, we're on facetime or vimeo or zoom or any mm-hmm. of that stuff and um just go over the the thing and it's like uh it, it's like it's cool you get to see their answers and you get to see where they go they get quizzed and asked certain things they learn certain things books are recommended um depending on what kind of you know thing that you pick is advanced intermediate um forgot the other one but like number one question they'll ask is like if I could blank if I knew I couldn't fail I would blank and then you would see how they answer it Mm -hmm. and with a lot of their answers you get to see like where they are do they have a growth mindset do they have a fixed mindset um are they really nervous about making mistakes do they have no confidence like and it's kind of also a really cool interactive experience because I don't think (laughs) I mean I don't ever think myself highly but 
I have a lot of parents that are like, we like took your advice. You're like, she looks up to you. And like, it's so different. Like, even though I, even if I say the same things, it's just different coming from you because you're professional, yeah, stuff exactly. like that. And you're not going to listen to your parents. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. But it was, it, it was interesting because I was like, man, like I just, I don't think myself that way. But when I experience this with other people, I'm like, wow, they, they actually do look up to you. And it kind of also opens your eyes of like how you should carry yourself or that you can actually lead even if, even if it's one percent you know um so that's how we kind of use it it's tough to get people to like really buy in so that's more of like it's but it's also online too um but it's i like that experience uh, especially with teams you know i've i've done one here in, um, in alpin where i would come we would meet we'd go over certain things i'd go over like a little like powerpoint or whatever and um I think that the more people get invested, it's a lot better. Like when the parents are invested, mm-hmm. awesome. Um, but you know, you can't force people to do anything. But it, it's yeah. it's a good avenue for me to practice that thing because again, I haven't, I have not gotten my master's, so that's why we can only say mentor. But it's something that I am exploring because mm-hmm. maybe I eventually do want to. Even though there's a lot of TED talks that say you don't really need to and blah 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 blah. And I certain. I don't need a master. I don't believe I need an MBA, but I have a friend who's a psychologist and he's like, yeah, you kind of have to go to graduate school to be a psychologist. So I think there's different True. things. So I totally agree with you. But again, Princeton, right down the yeah, road, man. There Just it is. write him a letter. There Just it is. write him a letter. That's, that's all, 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 that's all they need, right? <laughs> right? I'll, I'll, hey, I'll I played professional soccer. Yeah, use me as a reference. <laughs> Look, I was on this podcast and I swear, like if this, doesn't, <laughs> if this is not the highest of highs, I don't know what it is. Um, and I think it's, it's really great how you go about that. And, and again, just trying to help others and really spreading that positivity, spreading that mindset. As you said, you didn't used to read books and now you're reading them and you're really diving into that, you know, help, help yourself. But before wanting to help yourself, you didn't want to, you didn't not want to help, but you didn't help yourself, I guess. And you really have to, you have to buy in, right? As you said, it would be great if the parents bought in. It'd be great if all yes. the kids bought in, but they have to do it in their own time. And that's just kind of how all our timelines work. Sometimes they line up, sometimes they don't. But right. as long as you're there and if you offer it to them and hey, maybe they're interested and they're like, screw it, I don't have anything else better to do. Let me hop on. And maybe that's that's when you change their life as well. So I think that's just important to always leave that option open. True, yeah, yeah. Um, you have to, I forgot how the, the saying went or how this person said it, but you have to not meet opportunity but be ready to meet opportunity when it meets you Mm -hmm. so that means like taking care of yourself like i told my friend the other day like she was talking about um being loved and stuff like that and i was saying like but do you love yourself first and it sounds so trite but it's true like if you Mm -hmm. do not fill yourself if you fill your life with a whole bunch of voids and distractions you'll you will you will be getting voids and distractions Mm -hmm. you won't feel full and sometimes feeling full is just like as my mom says, when she's an attorney, and she said, like, maybe in my life I could, like, I could, should, or would have been this amazing, huge attorney, or maybe what God intended was for me just to be a really good mom. Who mm-hmm. knows? Who knows? But, like, do you fill yourself with these successes that that you find successful? Not anybody else. Is it, like, you know, like, when you ask me things, can I answer them correctly just by being well read and well researched and following through you know that's an important thing it's something that is a controllable you know we can't really control a lot in our lives but we can control 
uh, being educated. We can control being a good person. We can control random acts of kindness. We can control love unconditionally and conditionally. We can do all these things that if you do that for yourself, then you can help others do that too. Mm-hmm. And they can also just learn by just the way that you are. Not saying that I'm perfect. I, I fail every day. But I do definitely avidly try to get my own growth and at least check my own boxes before I start telling people to check their boxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, that's, again, going back to self-awareness, like you're very clearly aware of who you are and what you do and you understand that you can help and how you can help. And obviously you're not a hundred percent. No one's ever going to be a hundred percent. That's not how it works. But if you could shed one, two, three, five percent to somebody else just to help them a little bit, then they can go on their path and they can start to get better themselves, which I think is very important. And then I guess my last question for you, Rachel, um, I think we could talk all day, but it's like the middle of the day. We probably have work and stuff to get back to. Um, what would you do if you knew that you couldn't fail? Ooh. I'm listening. What, I, I pay attention. Would, That's all I'm saying. I'm good at paying attention. Nice. What would I do if I knew I couldn't fail? Um, what would I do if I knew I couldn't fail? I would, worry less i think okay i think i would just take more risks not that i i think that i used to be very risky um and very like uh fearless i also think a lot of it was just like being pretty naive (laughs) i think like it's like what i i like use this line but it's like i ate the apple like uh, I'm very aware of repercussions and mm-hmm. that we're not invincible. We can try to be, but I am not a superhero. If you stab me, I will bleed. Like, it's like, so I can't put myself in situations uh, that are going to lead to that. It's like in, uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie, Along Came Polly. Have you seen Along Came Polly? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so it's like when, when he's like, yeah, you can't eat nuts. That's a risk. That's a risk that is like, he talks about how you could die from all that stuff. And people like, that's kind of like how I'm starting to grow. And I don't like it because if I knew I couldn't fail, then I would go to, I would go live in Spain and I would go play in Spain or I would go to all these other things. And I think people would be like, well, then why don't you? And I think it's because I, I worry a little bit about, you know, well, what if, you know, what if, and what if like something happens to my family or like, what if that's the wrong choice? So I think, um, and what I'm practicing now is that I have to start to just like, it's okay. It's like, it's all right. Like if I go and it's a quote unquote failure, it's a growth, growing experience. It's something that I've been through my whole life. Maybe it's because now I have a little PTSD that I'm like, Hey, it's all right. It's all right. But I also feel that sometimes it's okay to just crave a little bit of stability because my whole life has been here, 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 mm-hmm. here, here, here. Like I have a, a map over here that I get to scratch everything out. I've jumped around everywhere. And it's like for the first, like quarantine, the first time that I'm not like driving around like an Uber driver, like it's kind of mm-hmm. nice. Um, but I think my, my new challenge is to understand that everything is going to be okay and to live more out of uh, a non-fearful life. Mm-hmm. I like I that. That's do. a solid answer. One thing I would say to that is if I was to fail somewhere, I'd probably want it to be Spain. Um, so I'm just going to put that <laughs> right? out there. When and it's also, all fixed. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. The, and that was my second part. Like as we've seen, you know, especially with kind of what's going on in the world, um, all of this apparently can be taken away from us very quickly and really without notice. So uh, right. I know you said you're going to be, you know, you're going to be the big three Oh in, in a couple months and, and happy birthday on that. Um, 
So yeah, maybe try it out. See what happens. You never know. You yeah, play true. there for a couple of years, fail in awesome fashion, and then you come back right to where you are. I think yeah. you're great at it. But um, yeah. this was great. Rachel, thank you so much. Rachel Breton, professional soccer player, sports psych mentor, personal trainer, social media director, all around incredible person. Really appreciate your time today. Thanks, Mike. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Rachel Breton. As I said, super, super cool. I love her charisma. I love her ability to tell a story and really get all the information out there. And I appreciate, I really, really appreciate that about her. So please make sure to follow Rachel on all of her socials. Everything is in the show notes. Please make sure to give us a five-star review wherever the heck you're listening to us, but especially if it's on Apple or iTunes. So thank you all so much. I appreciate your time. It's the only thing we don't get more of. So thank you for giving me some of yours and I hope you make it a wonderful day.